0: Welcome to Classic Lutheran Preaching, C.F.W. Walther. C.F.W. Walther was a parish pastor, later professor, and first president of Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. He was also the first president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. These sermons were preached from 1840 to 1870, predominantly in congregations of the St. Louis area. Unfortunately, we do not know the specific dates and locations of most of these sermons as they have been lost to time. These sermons were originally preached and published in German and translated by Donald Heck. They're available in two volumes from Concordia Publishing House, St. Louis, Missouri, cph.org. Thank you for listening. the 14th sunday after trinity luke 17:11 to 19 the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of god and the communion of the holy spirit be with you all amen dear friends in christ jesus unthankfulness is a despicable vice that is so apparent even the heathen has call have called it the most shameful of vices the poet asonius writes The earth brings forth nothing worse than unthankfulness. The duty of loving one's neighbor is written by nature in everyone's heart. Whoever is not even once moved to love again by the love which he has experienced, by the kindness which he received, shows that even the last sparks of natural love must be completely extinguished. The unthankful person is also a harmful, poisonous plant among men. He is the reason why benefactors become tired of showing their love. The unthankfulness shown by the thankless person prompts others to withdraw their kindness. One perceives most clearly what a despicable sin unthankfulness is when they experience it from some other person. If we show him kindness and he does not regard it as such, if he is dissatisfied with it and complains that we had not given him more, Or if we do a person a good turn, perhaps suffering loss in doing it, if we deliver him from great trouble or danger, if in his trouble he joyfully receives our love but soon forgets us, if later on he pretends that he does not know us or coldly refuses us when we come asking him in similar trouble, or if parents have with much trouble reared a child if they did not hesitate to make the most difficult sacrifice for his benefit, if the child finally forsakes his parents and is unconcerned about their tears and sighs, or if we have become someone's faithful and upright friend and have also considered him as our friend, if in time of trouble we see ourselves forsaken by him, yes, if we learn that he has betrayed us, if he repays goodness with malice, kindness with evil, upright friendship with the most cunning enmity, all these are the most vexing and depressing experiences in our life. We consider him who ate our bread and now spurns us a monster who merits nothing but our deepest contempt and aversion. Even though unthankfulness makes one contemptible in the eyes of everyone, even among those who are not Christians, there are, of course, many who thank their benefactors. Even the history of the heathen furnishes many moving examples of the most faithful friendship, men who thankfully remembers their whole life, even the least aid given them in their misery. In return, they overwhelm their deliverer with kindness, repaying even the children with kindness after the death of their father. Thankfulness is praiseworthy. Life among men is greatly beautified when love is shown and repaid. Nevertheless, giving thanks to men who have done us good is still no sure proof that a truly thankful heart beats in our breast. A truly thankful heart reveals itself above all by thankfulness to God, for He is the greatest and, in reality, the only benefactor. Even that good which we experienced at the hands of men comes from God charitable people are only tools of God who turn their hearts he does us good through them and blesses us if we therefore are thankful to men but not to God we still have an unthankful heart but where are the people who give God the thanks which they owe him alas only a few true Christians thank God the most liberal 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 of all benefactors who daily and hourly deluges men with benefits. Even Christians must accuse themselves of unthankfulness. This despicable vice lives in the hearts of all men. No person will be completely free from it until death has destroyed the house of sin, our bodies. Permit me to speak to you about this great natural unthankfulness of man. Luke seventeen eleven to 19. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers, who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. This gospel presents a fearful example of the most shameful ingratitude. Oh, that we would not find in it a reflection of us all. But alas, it is only too true. As were the hearts of those nine ingrates, So are the hearts of all men by nature. Therefore, permit me to speak to you about man's great ingratitude to God, the ingratitude by which the non-Christian reveals himself, and the ingratitude which is still found in Christians. We pray. Lord, you are worthy of receiving praise and honor and worship and thanks from all creatures, for you have created all things. Through your will, they are created and have life. Alas, O Lord, we men, your creatures, have fallen from you. Our heart is dark by nature. It does not know your glory and goodness. Our tongue is bound so that it does not praise you. Therefore, we pray, enlighten our dark heart. Loosen the string of our tongues that we become capable of thanking and praising you. Hear us, O God, for the sake of your eternal love. Amen. Amen. Leprosy is one of the most terrible of diseases with which a person can be infected. It defies all medical skill. It was incurable. It is similar to a cancerous ulcer, which courses not only through the veins and affects the bones, but it also breaks out on the skin, covering the whole body, giving the leprous person an appearance inspiring loathing and nausea. Everybody fled from them, for they gave off a foul stench. And since even the nearness of such sick people infected others, everyone who was stricken by this fearful, contagious disease had to leave his family and pass this miserable, mournful life in unpopulated regions. Often, after long, nameless suffering, he died there. Thus, we can easily understand what joy it must have awakened in the lepers mentioned in our text when they heard that the great miracle worker Jesus was coming into their region. They certainly said to each other, Is it possible that we can still be helped? Yes, this Jesus is too merciful a man. We will implore him with heart-rending voices. He will certainly be moved to take pity on us. Oh, how we will then thank him. Our heart and mouth will be full of his praise until our death. And see, Jesus comes. Dolefully, the miserable men lift up their hoarse voices and call as loudly as they can, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When Jesus saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. As you know, according to the law, the priest had to decide whether someone actually was infected with leprosy or not. And we read, as they went, they were cleansed. But what did those do who were healed? When one of them saw that he was healed, only he turned around, praised God with a loud voice, fell deeply moved upon his face at Jesus' feet, and thanked him. Now he was a Samaritan. But we ask with Jesus, where are the other nine? They quickly forgot their benefactor. Perhaps they let themselves be persuaded by the priests that their cure was merely the work of chance. They quickly forgot their terrible misery from which no person could rescue them. They forgot the unspeakable love and kindness which they experienced. They forgot the holy vow of thanks which they had made. They did not return. They did not consider Christ worth one word of thanks. Now, they used the health which they again received to walk thoughtlessly and merrily on the broad way of the lust of the world. Must we not cry out? Is it really possible that a person could have such a benumbed, unthankful heart? Can he be rescued from such unalterable misery and not give even one word of thanks to his benefactor? Yes, it seems impossible and unbelievable. But would to God that countless did not daily and hourly show themselves just as unthankful toward God. But just consider that to be truly thankful... One must first recognize the benefits which one has received. Secondly, praise God for them. And finally, use them according to the will of the giver. But what do most men do? God's kindness surrounds each person more closely than does air. Body and soul are the basic benefits which everyone has received from God. However, his reason and every power of his mind every sense and every member of his body, every ray of light which falls on his eyes, every sound which enters his ear, every breath of air which he draws, every beat of his heart, each bite of food which he eats, every drop of water which he drinks, every night's sleep which closes his eyes in comfort, every joy which refreshes his soul, every step which he takes without misfortune, every second which he lives, in short, everything, which a person is and has, is a special favor of God. For in him we live and move and have our being. He called us into existence. He sustains us and guides our life. And if he should withdraw his hand from us, we would vanish. Even if a person wanted to, it is absolutely impossible to count up all the favors which God shows him during only one hour. But who really recognizes all these kindnesses of God? Most act as if it has to be this way. They view all these things as something for which God is not worth thanks. They enjoy all this without thinking of him from whom all good and every perfect gift comes. If a little evil befalls them, their hearts and mouths fill with complaints and murmurings. Because of one favor which they perhaps missed, all the millions of other favors which they enjoyed are suddenly forgotten. That something was a blessing always first enters the minds of most when they lose it. Blindness must first teach them what a blessing sight is. Deafness, what a blessing hearing is. Paralysis, what a blessing sound limbs are. Sickness, what a blessing health is. The skies becoming like iron what a blessing rain is month-long rains what a blessing sunshine is the drying up of rivers what a blessing water is failure of harvest what a blessing good weather is and the like if most do not generally recognize the temporal blessings of God the blessings of the first article, creation, preservation, and government of God, then certainly do they recognize the spiritual blessings, even of the second and third articles, redemption and sanctification, even less. It never really becomes clear to most what an unspeakable blessing it is that they are redeemed and baptized, that they can hear God's word and use God's sacraments, that they were not born among the blind heathen but among Christians that they could go to a Christian day school, that the Holy Spirit knocks at their hearts and calls them to heaven, that they have a Bible and the like. Most people put up with all this with a hardened heart. They consider it scarcely worth the bother to take time and really ponder upon how great, how infinite these blessings are. Yes, most consider these spiritual things more like a yoke in which they must carry. They would like it better if there were no God whom they should serve, no word of God that they should hear and keep, no eternity for which they should prepare, let alone that from the bottom of their hearts they should thank God daily and hourly for these things. There are, however, of course, blessings which almost everyone recognizes as worthy of great things. They are deliverance and preservation in great bodily danger and trouble. The restoration of health after a long sickness. The revelation of innocence after a long undeserved shame and contempt. Blessing in temporal goods after times of oppressing want and severe poverty. Freedom from terrible pain and fear of death and the like. As easily as almost all recognize that these things deserve loud and lifelong thanks, what do most do? To be sure they call upon God in trouble And they solemnly promise, Lord, if you help me in this time, the flame of thanks will never be extinguished in my hearts. I will become a different person. I will become completely converted to you. Lead a holy life. Leave the world and its vanity. Serve you body and soul and give my heart to you. Become and remain your servant and possession in time and eternity. Oh, how many who have safely arrived in our new fatherland, might not have prayed thus during storms at sea, when the depths threatened to swallow up their ship, when the word of the prophet was fulfilled, Isaiah twenty-six sixteen. O oh Lord, in distress they sought you. They poured out a whispered prayer when your discipline was upon them. But what happened when God answered their cries in trouble? Most act just like the nine in our gospel. Quickly forgotten is the divine benefactor. They ascribe their help to chance and their recovery to the doctor or to a strong constitution or their care in the use of medicines or their temperance. They are not converted. They do not fall thankfully before God, but begin their old ways again. We therefore also read in Jeremiah 2, for they have turned their back to me and not their face. But in the time of their trouble, they say, Arise, save us. Accordingly. Who can present the thankfulness of such people in all its shamefulness? Many animals shame them. If it experiences one impressive favor from a man, it also serves him with the deepest attachment until death. The Lord in Isaiah takes heaven and earth as witness for such socking thankfulness and says in chapter 1, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children have I reared and brought up. But they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. And yet, that most people do not thank God for his blessings is not all. They go still further. They even use the very blessings that they have received as weapons with which to fight against God. They use them to commit sin, to offend and anger God. How do most people use their healthy bodies and sound limbs? One for vanity, the second for intemperance in eating and drinking, a third for overworking himself in heathenish worry. For what purpose do most use God's blessings in the way of temporal goods? One for feasting, sensuality, and forgetting God, heaven, and hell. Another for pride, haughtiness, and keeping up with the Joneses, a third to satisfy his desire to become richer and even richer and finally how do most use the preaching of the sweet gospel of grace alas for continuing more securely in sin instead of being turned from it to Christ for turning Christian liberty into a license of the flesh and the world for fearing no reprimand from God's word but despising and laughing at it they think I believe in Jesus I will be saved even if they deny that I am in a state of grace. They make the Savior a servant of sin and the lust of the world. Oh, the thanklessness of the human heart! How great, alas, how unbelievably great it is that such unthankful people are not Christians. I hope I do not first have to prove to you that they are still in the kingdom of God's enemy, the devil, dead in sin. To them, the word of God calls in Deuteronomy 32. They have dealt corruptly with him. They are no longer his children because they are blemished. They are a crooked and twisted generation. Do you thus repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Is he not your father who created you, who made you and established you? After we have considered the unthankfulness by which non-Christians reveal themselves, Let us now direct our attention, secondly, to the unthankfulness which is still found even in Christians. To have become a true Christian and still not thank God is impossible. Yes, a contradiction. For to be a true believing Christian means nothing else than begin to recognize God's blessings, particularly his spiritual blessings. It means taking comfort in them alone, clinging to them with one's whole heart and no longer seeking all his hopes and blessedness in the lust of the world and its goods, but in God's goodness in Jesus Christ. To become a Christian means as much as becoming thankful to God again. Toward the close of Psalm 50, in which all false worship by which one tries to be saved is rejected, we read, The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. The one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. Verse 23, as long as a person does not have conversion's chief blessing, namely the forgiveness of sins, so long a person cannot just thank God from the bottom of his heart. But the moment he believes, his heart opens like a spring which had been dammed up. Every day thanks now pour forth like a river. Then he can say, Psalm one o three one o five one through 5, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with love, steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. A true Christian is a person who, with opened eyes, recognizes that he is a totally unworthy sinner. He sees that all temporal and eternal, bodily and spiritual, earthly and heavenly blessings, are nothing but pure blessings of grace, which God grants him alone for Christ's sake. That a true Christian admits not merely in proud humility, this confession shines through his whole being like a new sun. In this light he sees all that he is and has. He therefore lives in continual thanks and can say with David, Psalm sixty three verse six, I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. A Christian must not first learn on the sick bed that health is a great undeserved blessing of God. Smoking embers must not first remind him that it is the Lord alone who watches and keeps his house. Destructive floods and hails must not first convince the Christian that the Lord alone gives us the early and the late rains at the right time and faithfully guards our harvest year after year. The torch of war must not first give its light upon the blessings of gold and peace. Although every true Christian has begun to recognize God's blessings and praises him for them in words and deeds, yet he has made only the beginning. Even the Christian must in this life still complain about his unthankful heart. Even the Christian is still not completely enlightened. Even he still walks about amongst thousands upon thousands of unknown favors from his God and Father. Even the Christian still has flesh and blood, He must often complain about his slowness in praising and thanking God. Yes, he must confess that he has often called upon God in trouble, but after trouble has passed, has forgotten to praise him. He did not pay the highest his vows, but remained liable for them. The Christian must especially complain that only too often he did not praise God for the cross, for trouble, for sickness, poverty, mockery, and shame, which are just as much great blessings of God as are good days, health, riches, and honor. My friends, although a true Christian still has much in common with a non-Christian, there is one essential difference between them. The unthankfulness of the true Christian is one which he recognizes, bemoans, laments, and daily battles. Since he has faith, his unthankfulness is not imputed to him for Christ's sake, but is daily forgiven. A Christian hates his unthankful heart, longingly looks toward the heavens and says with David, Psalm 63, 5, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. He thinks, here my flesh still drags me to earth. Some day." when I shall have escaped the chains of the earthly and ascended to the temples of heaven, I will with all the choirs of your elect children perfectly praise you, O God, from everlasting to everlasting. Therefore, you who do not yet have a heart yearning for perfect eternal thanks, bear this in mind. Whoever does not learn to thank God here will also not thank him there, but excluded from the jubilant choirs of the blessed, He will lament eternally. Hence, go as lepers to Christ. Beg him for mercy. If he helps you, do not return to the world. She will persuade you not to thank Christ, but join her in mocking him, or at least to be silent. Oh, rather remain in union with Christ and his Christians. You will be inspired daily to praise God, to tell what the Lord has done to your soul. You who can already cry out, The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad, Psalm 126. Practice to be better in your praise. Learn to thank him even for tribulation. Pride yourself, as Paul, in your weakness, that is, in your trouble and persecution. Lay your cold heart daily at the feet of Jesus and pray him for new grace. Then, to his praise, it will also daily become warm. But when you will have won the battle and carry out the palm of your victory in your hand and crown of life on your brow, no string shall tie your tongue, no sobs shall interrupt your psalms of thanks, but free and unhampered, the million-voiced hallelujah in which you shall also join shall resound throughout the heavens to the praise of God the Father who created us, to the honor of God the Son who redeemed us, and to the glory of God the Holy Spirit, who sanctified us. To him, the triune God, be praise and adoration and thanks in time and eternity. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you all. Amen. You've been listening to Classic Lutheran Preaching, CFW Walther. These sermons are available in two volumes as a part of Walther's Works, Concordia Publishing House, St. Louis, Missouri, cph.org. We thank you for tuning in, and we pray that God's Word has and will continue to be a great blessing in your life.